He must increase and I must decrease. Good morning, Christian America. If there was ever a phrase uttered by someone other than Jesus throughout the New Testament that we should look to to try to model ourselves, our actions, our words after. It's this phrase uttered by John the Baptist when confronted with those who are trying to stir up his emotions, who are trying to cause conflict, but he doesn't take the bait. What John says is that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Let's discuss this scripture today. Good morning, Christian America. And good morning, Christian America. Eddie here is always representing the Christian American revitalization effort. We seek to revitalize the Christian faith across our nation. If you support that mission, if you could support us, we don't ask for your donation. We ask for your participation. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to this YouTube, YouTube channel and follow us on social media. That's what we're asking of you. Um, you can also go to ChristianAmericanTees.com. That's ChristianAmericanTees, all one word, .com. Pick yourself up some Christian American apparel for the uh, for the spring and the summertime, we've got new stuff coming online all the time. So check that out. Friends, we want to get into scripture today. It's Monday. We want to start off the day or start off the week rather on the right note. The, the way we start off our week is always with scripture. We're continuing our journey through the gospel of uh, according to John. Today, we're in chapter three. Once again, if you followed us last week and that very important conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, the Pharisee asking about how could we be possibly be born again. That, that's a conversation that our faith um, is so ingrained or, or has a blossomed out of understanding that Jesus came from above and that if we were to be in him, we needed to be born again in the spirit. He explains that if you didn't, if you, if you missed that podcast, I'd ask you to go to last week's Monday podcast re-listen to it or listen to it for the first time, go through it, read scripture yourself. That's what we're here for. We're here for three things, to inspire, to inform, and to educate you on scripture, on the good things in life, how to live our lives right, because God says that they're right, not because I say that it's right, because I'm no one. And it's that attitude, it's, it's that mindset that we all need to have, that it's not what I say for my sake. It's not, it's, it's not about doing my will. It's not, it's not about uh, achieving my accolades or my wealth or my power, my prestige. It's never about that. It's always about God. It's always about love of either him or others because Jesus says that to us as his top two commandments, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and our strength, to love one another as we love ourselves. John the Baptist understood this. He knew his purpose was to pave the way, to be the one ahead of the Messiah, the, the lone voice in the, in the wilderness crying out for repentance. And even though he gained fame, he gained, gained accolades. People came from around the region to come hear the word of John, who was baptizing in the Jordan, who was preaching a message of repentance, who was wagging his fingers at the powerful for their misdoings, which ultimately gets him imprisoned and killed. 
but he's gaining this fame and this notoriety. And then comes along Jesus, his cousin. And, and John's message changes. And he, he points everybody in the direction of the Messiah. He clearly admits in chapter one of John's gospel, John the beloved's gospel, John the evangelist's gospel, John the disciple's gospel, John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, he is the Lamb of God, behold, who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah, and I am not him. And Jesus gets baptized. He goes off into the desert, and he comes back. He, he picks up his apostles. We know we've read uh, that story a few times, and he starts to do his ministry. But meanwhile, John the Baptist is still out there. He's still baptizing. He's still bringing people to repentance. He's still got followers. And some of those followers, when they hear what Jesus is doing, because Jesus's name is growing louder and louder in the surrounding areas, they come to John the Baptist. They, his own followers come and try to influence him. These followers have a bit of jealousy, have a bit of envy. They want to cause strife. But John's having none of it because his heart and his mind is exactly where our hearts and our minds should be. And without further ado, let's get into scripture today because I want to show it to you. I want to read it to you so you can see it for yourself so you can understand what John's words are, what they meant then, and what they should mean for us today. Let's get into the word. Uh, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, starting at verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the region of Judea where he spent some time with them baptizing. John, being the John the Baptist, was also baptizing in Enon, near Salim, because there was an abundance of water there. And people came to be baptized, for John had not yet been imprisoned. Now a dispute arose between disciples of John and a Jew about ceremonial washings. So they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you testified here, he is baptizing and everyone is coming to him. And John answered, no one can receive anything except what has been given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said that I am not the Messiah, but that I was the one sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the best man who stands and listens to him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made complete. He must increase and I must decrease. Friends, there's so much wisdom in John the Baptist's response to his own disciples and this stranger who are arguing about ceremonial washings. Let's just take this from the very beginning. First, it says that Jesus goes out to a region of Judea, and he, it, this passage says 
that he's with his disciples and they're baptizing. We know in the next chapter, so I don't want to get ahead of us, uh, that scripture specifically says that his disciples are baptizing, that Jesus isn't really baptizing. But one, baptism is necessary. Remember the conversation with uh, Nicodemus, being baptized with water in the spirit, and that's what Jesus provides. He's ceremonial washing of water, that is ceremonial uh, cleaning of the person, cleansing of the person, but that spirit of God, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as Jesus commands later in the Gospels, is so vitally important because it is the true cleansing of one's soul, just like water washes the outside of your body, the spirit of God cleanses the inside of your body. So that's going on. And then as John the Baptist is still preaching and is still baptizing as he was prior to Jesus's arrival, his disciples come up and they, they're arguing amongst each other and they bring this conflict to John the Baptist. And they say, look, the guy that you were here with earlier, meaning Jesus, he's out there baptizing and many people are coming to him. That's jealousy in their voice. That's a conflict that they're trying to bring into John's life. How many of us today are trying to do the right thing or unaware of things that, that are outside of our purview? Doesn't really affect us. But yet sometimes people try to bring us in to their conflict. They try to instigate things, get us to react, get us to say something inflammatory either in person or on social media. How many times has that happened? And we fall victim to that because our pride is hurt. Our ego may be damaged. We get angry and frustrated. We may feel embarrassed. We may want to show our intelligence on a certain subject. So we just have to say something. We have to get involved. We have to mix it up. Is that what we should be doing, though? Listen to the way that John the Baptist responds to this conflict, this, this outsider, some, somebody he's not, even, he's not even familiar with who is arguing with his disciple he, when they bring this conflict to him. He says, you can receive nothing. You can receive nothing that hasn't been given to you except from heaven. No one can receive, he says, no one can receive anything except what has been given him from heaven. That means the gifts that you've been given. We talked about this on Friday, the gifts that God has given you, the luxury or the struggle or the obstacles, the life that you have in your body, the air in your lungs, the ability, the capacity to think and plan and pray and worship, all of these things and many, many more have only been given to you by heaven because if heaven wouldn't have given them to you, you would not have them. John the Baptist understands this as his first reply. So when you're coming to me with this nonsense, recognize that whoever you're gossiping about, whoever you're talking about, 
Whatever other circumstance that I'm not intimately aware of right now, just know that anything that they've been given, God has given them. First and foremost. Then he says, you yourselves, meaning those people, can testify to what I'm about to say. You are eyewitnesses into the words that I'm about to speak. I am not the Messiah, he says, but that I was sent before him. He's not trying to be Jesus. He's not trying to be the Messiah. He's not trying to boost his own ego. He's not trying to claim something that's not his. He's not trying to give in to the earthly temptations to be somebody more important than who he's supposed to be. And who he is supposed to be is the one who comes before the Messiah to be that voice in the darkness, sending the message of repentance to the world. Then he says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. We know from later in scripture, but John the Baptist knows right now that the bride of Christ is the church. And if you think about the, a regular wedding between the bride and the groom, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The bridegroom, the bride can't run off or at least shouldn't run off with the best man, with a guest at the wedding, someone else. Jesus is the bridegroom. He is the head of the church. The church is his bride and he is the bridegroom. No one else can replace him. John is clear in this. Imagine the best man at your wedding if you're a, if you're a guy. That best man should be thrilled that you're being married. That best man should be someone that you are intimately close with, somebody who's been with you for a long period of time, who is truly happy when things good happen to you. In that sense, that is the role that John the Baptist is saying that he has played for Jesus, that Jesus is the bridegroom. He is a best man. He is there and he is 100% behind his groom the one who has invited him to be at this place of honor. And he's not trying to replace the groom. He's not trying to make the bride his own. He is merely there to support the bridegroom himself. That's what John's relaying to us in that phrase. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The best man who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. He's excited about God coming to this world, coming into this world as a man, as his relation, Jesus Christ. And so he says, the joy of mine has been made complete. As the bride, as the best man to the groom, once the marriage has come, His joy is complete. He did what he came to do. He supported as he came to support. He was there for a purpose and a reason. He didn't want to take the spotlight, but he wants to give the spotlight. 
It is on Jesus. It is not about him. It is on Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about your petty conflicts. It's not about worldly things. It's not about money and prestige and power. It's about Jesus. He says, and he must increase. And I must decrease. In the spiritual lives that we have, God must increase and we must decrease. In the world that we live in today, God must increase and we must decrease in this secular society that we've made for ourselves. God must increase and we must decrease. Let us learn from John the Baptist. Let us learn these lessons from the disciple John. Friends, if you like this message, if you support what we're trying to do here, if you get something out of this, we don't ask for your donation. We just ask that you subscribe and share this podcast, subscribe to this uh, Rumble channel, subscribe to this YouTube channel, to follow us on all the social media platforms. Anything that you can do like that to participate in spreading God's message and spreading the faith across our nation, across the world. That's all we're looking for. God must increase and we must decrease. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come to you Friday. That'll be good Friday as we get ready for the Holy Weekend. And until then, you guys stay on fire for Christ. Stay blessed. Good morning, Christian America.